This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. All right, folks, we have quite a show today with uh, all the things you've come to expect from us here at The Next Pillar. Uh, So let's just get right to it. Welcome in, wrestling fans, and you're listening to The Next Pillar, your AEW podcast. Uh, You can always contribute to our mailbag by going to nextpillaraww.com or just email us directly. That's nextpillaraww at gmail.com. And uh, again, you know, I say this from time to time, but, uh, you know, I did fall behind on some listener mail here, uh, taking a couple weeks off. But going forward, if you mail the show... Uh, I will be sure to address your topic on air. So if there is something that you've just always wanted to hear discussed on a wrestling show, hey, here is your opportunity. Uh, And again, that's going forward just because I do have kind of a backlog just missing the past couple weeks. I'm not going to get to everything, unfortunately. But uh, going forward, uh, the show is going to be up each and every Monday for you guys. And uh, from now on, I will be sure to, if you mail in the show, we will be sure to get to it. Um, And... Of course, you know, my deepest apologies for taking the past two weeks off. Uh, And I did actually have some things planned uh, for one of those weeks, which I'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, But yeah, some unforeseen things came up. And uh, I really do want this to be a weekly show. So just know that moments of me needing some time off like that will be few and far between. Um, Yeah, I mean, as you know, longtime listeners will... I mean, I know I've only done 12 episodes, but a few weeks ago, I actually was able to get a show in uh, despite the power coming out multiple times at my house. And uh, it was kind of a rough show audio wise, but I'm glad I did it. But uh, yeah, I did need to take the past couple weeks off, but I'm back. And um, I must say that things with AEW um, feel great coming back. And um, I really do feel like uh, there's more than any time I can recall a lot of really nice uh mid-card feuds that uh they have going you know particularly uh i've just been loving uh the eddie kingston uh jericho at all uh feud um but more on that later uh you know um what i wanted to talk about uh first of all uh you know just with taking a couple weeks off one of those weeks was wrestlemania week uh you know as many of you uh realize And uh, I just wanted to note on the show here just that we're in a very interesting point in wrestling history where it's like, and I'm sure that many of you had this same thing happen where it's like people know you're interested in wrestling. So it's like a lot of your mutuals, so to speak, and friends uh, assume that you're going to be interested in and excited for WrestleMania 38. And um, for a lot of us, 
obviously that hasn't been the case for years, for decades even. And uh, you wonder where what's going on there where it's like, and, you know, we titled that Cody Rhodes piece, you know, Cody surrenders to the Borg. Uh, you know, we titled it and we may have not been joking. Like uh, <laughs> uh, it may have not ended up being that much of a joke where it's like, you know, by any measure, uh, you know, among fans of wrestling, you know, the theoretical WWE core audience, uh, or at least what should be their core audience, what you would think would be their core audience. Uh, WWE interest, I mean, it's at an all-time low, you know, among people that like you folks listening to this show. Um, people who like their wrestling uh, have not liked WWE for uh, quite some time. And, you know, a lot of us would argue that, in fact, uh, you know, not only do we not like the WWE, but they've done, you know, active harm uh, to our hobby that we love, you know, to our uh, art form that we appreciate, you know, to our, uh, you know, wrestling is so many different things to so many different people. And I think the WWE has managed to upset, uh, you know, the person that watches wrestling for the athleticism, the person that watches wrestling for the stories, the person that watches wrestling for the interesting characters. Uh, you know, I think the WWE has, uh, in terms of long-term wrestling fans, they've managed to alienate most of them. They have a core audience and they always will. You know, again, though, it's like the perfect comparison is The Simpsons. You know, these are two cultural forces who, uh, you know, the WWE is becoming less relevant every day. The Simpsons have not been relevant for a long time. Uh, both of these franchises will continue to make money. They will continue. Um, but again, you know, just because something makes money does not mean that it's relevant and it does not mean that it's good. But yet I'm sure like so many of you, you know, we've all had those friends come out of the cobwebs and want to talk about Stone Cold Steve Austin and want to talk about, you know, Logan Paul and like want to talk about Bad Bunny and all these things where it's like, um, you know, these folks who, uh, you know, you don't even know are aware of wrestling are suddenly asking you questions about the WWE and you're like, oh, my God, you don't know about the WWE and why I don't watch the WWE. Um, and I can just see, you know, um on Twitter and just in talking to some of my other, you know, wrestling friends, this has been the past 10 days has been kind of like we were, have been in this kind of little AEW um, independent wrestling bubble. And uh, you really do feel like you get a sense of like, well, yeah, the WWE is like barely relevant these days as a joke, but it's like actual in actuality out there, the WWE is as culturally relevant as ever unfortunately you know and i think that as AEW fans as wrestling fans it's important to realize that because when you think about these conversations that we have about why we don't watch the wwe those conversations um may not feel valid because you may feel like well i'm preaching to the crier or well everyone already knows that the WWE sucks and is a you know an evil company like let's let's get real uh the problem is is that you know if all of us in this little bubble uh just assume that everyone knows that uh no one's going to figure it out because as we've seen uh the WWE is very savvy about shaping cultural conversations again you know I've used that phrase before but that's exactly what they're doing with that deal with the ringer 
which has been my favorite topic on this show, as you guys know. And it's been really nice. Someone sent me um, a tweet from, I believe it was Jesse, Jesse Collins. I'm forgetting the name right now, but I know they're a VAW contributor, so I'm sorry. I don't remember your name. But someone sent me a link to uh, a thread that they had talking about how Bill Simmons had a client of Nick Khan on his show. And of course they talk about how great WrestleMania is never disclosing, you know, that Nick Khan is one of these people's clients. And this is again, uh, you know, a form of cynicism in which, uh, you know, there are two layers to it. Um, the first layer being, you know, that the truth does not matter, or at least like the truth uh, the truth does not matter to the person who has this cynicism. And then beyond that, there's another layer of cynicism, which is not only does the truth not matter to me, but in fact, the truth does not matter to anyone. <laughs> like no one will like if I am called on this blatant lie, it doesn't matter because nobody will care. And this is the kind of cynicism that we are dealing with, you know, with the WWE. Uh, and so, you know, a few of you may remember this story, but it's like a few weeks ago, um, I was talking about a fellow that I worked with at, uh, a fellow I'm apparently in my sixties, but I was talking about someone that I worked with at the record store who, you know, maybe didn't have the tightest grasp on, uh, the truth and, uh, you know, very famously, uh, left the store. Uh, saying that he was going to start working at Dr. Dre's studio, in quotes. And uh, anytime we would ask him, you know, where, so, so where is Dr. Dre's studio? His response would be California. <laughs> um, I also, uh, this is another funny story. I remember a friend of mine came in to see me, and of course he starts talking to her. And um, he uh, then goes on to tell her, like, you know, Blake and I are really tight, and he's a great guy, and like, uh, it was just a very odd thing to lie about because like imagine thinking that you can get away, you know, with lying to someone's friend about how close you are to this person when it's like, of course, you know, this is a good friend of mine. She knows that I hate this guy <laughs> and that all of us at the store are like, oh, my God, like how many times do we have to sit through, uh, you know, his story about how his dad was supposedly the person that. Ernest Hemingway wrote the old man in the sea about this was a story of his that made the rounds. Um, and, uh, yeah, again, it's there. It's a dual cynicism. It's the truth, you know, has hold no hold over me. Like I don't need to worry about the truth. I don't care about the truth. The truth doesn't matter to me. And then there's the second layer of, well, not only does it not matter to me, it also is irrelevant, but, uh, you know, anyway, Speaking of Cody Rhodes, uh, who also I would say is like that. And, you know, really in terms of like thinking about, you know, what other person Cody Rhodes, you know, reminds me of, you know, I don't like to do the pop culture reference thing very often, but I mean, Cody Rhodes has like extreme Kendall Roy energy. Uh, but beyond that, it would be this guy that I worked with at the record store just because, in these quotes that have come out where, you know, he says, there's no one I even want to wrestle at AEW. Like we all know that that's not true. And, you know, someone else who is very savvy when it comes to knowing what to say at the right time. Uh, 
I think Brian Danielson, you know, I don't remember who reported this or what interview this was from, uh, but Brian Danielson really made a point to talk about, you know, how Cody Rhodes is a pathological liar. And I think that's because he knew what was coming and he knew what Cody would be willing to say, how, you know, just how far Cody would be willing, again, you know, to frame this conversation about Cody Rhodes going to WWE. And of course, you know, Brian Danielson is obviously much more, uh, you know, privy to the situation. I think he knew what was coming, but I also assumed that if Cody Rhodes was going to the WWE, he wasn't going to go there with his tail behind, you know, between his legs. Cause that's not in him. Uh, and that's not, I think that that's not in him is kind of a universal thing for someone who is the son of a famous person. I think, you know, deep down, he knows he's the son of Cody Rhodes. He's not going to go to, he's no, he's the son of Dusty Rhodes. Sorry. Uh, he knows he's not, you know, he can't go to the WWE with his tail between his legs. He's got to spin it. And so we've seen him, uh, spin it and, uh, go about, go much further than I think a lot of people expected, but, uh, I knew I know what the score is. You know, I know Cody Rhodes. Uh, I think it's really interesting. I mentioned this, you know, my wife wrote that big, complicated, uh, classical, not complicated. It was minimalist, actually uh, classical piece about him. And she said she was working her feelings out because uh, he made her feel uncomfortable. And I remember that one of the words she used when I asked him uh, what made her feel uncomfortable is she said that he seemed untrustworthy, <laughs> which I think, again, you know, Cody is. And this word has been floated around to describe Cody in the past couple weeks, just that word Carney. And of course, you know, it's like he's Cody Rhodes. There is no way that Cody Rhodes is going to talk about Cody Rhodes going to WWE other than it being the prodigal son coming back to fulfill his destiny. And thank God he's back in the WWE kind of situation when, of course, uh, there's a great public record of him not liking being in the WWE. In fact, it's his own entrance music that he's still using in the WWE, which again, just speaks back to Cody Rhodes success in WWE is good news for AEW. Cause what is the Cody Rhodes? You know, the WWE had so many chances to make Cody Rhodes a star and they failed why is Cody Rhodes a star now? It's because he was finally able to tell his own story, which is not something that the WWE is ever going to let anyone do until Vince McMahon is dead. Maybe, you know, uh, culture like that is not something that changes when someone dies. When we're talking about a company like that, that's something that I think a lot of people should keep in mind. Um, and yeah, you know, I understand the reaction of, you know, Cody Rhodes, you know, seems poised to actually get a legitimate push by WWE. I anticipate them booking him pretty well, at least for the first, you know, half, two thirds of his deal. And you know what? Maybe Vince has been known to have a change of heart about, you know, certain individuals. It's possible that, you know, Vince himself is now all in on Cody Rhodes and is ready to like actually give him the kind of legitimate push that is usually reserved, you know, for like a part-timer, like a Brock Lesnar or what have you. Um, 
The thing is, though, is that even the best case scenario of a WWE Cody Rhodes is a watered down AEW Cody Rhodes. Uh, And that's just because of the way that the WWE is produced and presented. This is a Cody Rhodes. There's not going to be flaming tables. There's not going to be tax. There's not going to be blood. Those are the obvious things. But more than that, you see the difference between, and this is what I do. I recommend everyone should do this. Watch that promo that Cody Rhodes gave on Raw. And then right after that, watch his last big promo in AEW. The one that we wrote the song about. Uh, You know, the one about him, uh, you know, so what does everyone want to talk about? The one that we all talked about being so grandiose, you know? Uh, You listen to that promo now, though, and yeah, you know, it's sloppy. It's unstructured. It's unedited. It's also much more compelling because it's real because even though Cody Rhodes is great on the stick the moment that you start to script a promo uh, a wrestler like Cody Rhodes you know you can tell that he's giving a scripted promo it's not the real Cody Rhodes and so that's what this is going to be because yeah you know what like if Cody Rhodes is there and he's booked well and he's pushed a lot of AEW folks will want to make more money. They are going to want to be, you know, at the big dance, have that big WrestleMania moment, have go be in the Royal Rumble. These are wrestlers. These are people who have been around wrestling their whole lives. Uh, you know, that kind of mainstream recognition, those kind of like big cultural icon moments. Uh, you know, I don't begrudge a wrestler wanting to have those, even if maybe they know that the WWE is an evil company, even if maybe, you know, their friends have been harmed by WWE, they're still going to want that moment. And I don't begrudge them for that. But I also think that there's a big difference between, you know, say, uh, uh, Kevin Owens, who, uh, you know, pretty much for the most part, minds his business compared to people like Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch, who aren't just, you know, good wrestlers who are in WWE. Uh, They're good wrestlers who are also willing to carry water for WWE. And for me, uh, that's that's where you lose my respect, Um, because I'm not going to begrudge anyone for pursuing opportunities. But when you're doing the Cody Rhodes thing now, when you're doing the Seth Rollins thing, when you're being like Becky Lynch and making fun of Tony Khan, making fun of the WWE for hiring Twitter bot farms because a culturally relevant entity, like an entity that is gaining momentum in cultural conversations in viewers in social media engagement in every metric as AEW is, uh, like a company that is gaining traction doesn't need to hire Twitter bot farms. Like that's why Republicans do things like hire Twitter bot farms and the Cambridge Analytica type stuff. Like they need to do that because they're losing hold of culture. Uh, AEW doesn't need to do that. And so for Becky Lynch, you know, to take a shot and make fun of Tony Khan and say, oh, the people booing me are just fake. Like, come on, you don't need to do that. Like, I understand why you're in WWE again. You know, I'm not going to begrudge anyone for thinking that that's a better opportunity, you know, going forward as we will have people continue to leave AEW for WWE. Uh, But yeah, one thing where it's like, yeah, you lose my respect when you want to carry water in that way. But hey, you know what? Again, the best case for WWE, Cody Rhodes, is a watered-down version of AEW, and that's just because of how the WWE is produced and presented. So it's like you even think about an MJF, you know? Let's say, 
a few years from now, MJF debuts in WWE. They got the little like Mario 64 3D animated version of MJF's head with a scarf around it and his music's there and all this kind of stuff. It still is going to be the watered-down version of MJF because, of course, they're not going to let MJF go the places in his promos that he goes. And, of course, the second that you start to script MJF, you will kill MJF. And that is what the WWE does not understand. And so, yeah, you know, as an AEW fan, you know, do you feel a little bit left out of the conversation, you know, having to explain to someone you haven't talked to in a while, like, well, no, I actually don't watch WWE. I watch this other wrestling. It's on TNT if you'd like to watch it. Like, I know that's embarrassing because I'm having those same kind of conversations. But those kinds of conversations are actually pretty important. And, uh, you know, particularly when the WWE is out here, you know, obviously, like, by any means necessary, we will form these conversations around wrestling and make sure that people don't think it's actually wrestling. It's sports entertainment. Uh, you know, as long as that exists, it's worth having those conversations with folks that reach out to you and ask you, you know, if you're excited to watch WrestleMania 38, because maybe they should know why you're not. Um, and you know, that week that I took off the week WrestleMania, I had a whole plan, uh, where the entire show was just going to be 100 reasons why I will not watch WrestleMania. And I actually, you know, have that list. Uh, I'm not going to do anything with it now because at this point it's like, hey, here's why I didn't watch WrestleMania two weeks ago, you guys. Uh, but, you know, I'm sitting here looking at it and it's like, I know that 80% of this list is going to be fine next year because the WWE never changes, you know? Like, stop and ask yourself, how surprised will you be if next year the main event of WrestleMania is like Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, and Seth Rollins or something like that, you know? Uh... So I do appreciate that. And you guys can look forward to, uh, you know, hearing this list next year when it's still relevant. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I know that it is like a little bit weird to see people going nuts for the WWE and people like where it's like, you know, this is a company that has been, you know, in bed with the Republican party for, you know, some time, you know, Vince and Linda, obviously, I mean, Linda ran for Senate, of course. Uh, and just, so many other things for decades has have tied the McMahons to the the causes of the Republican Party. And how often, you know, do you see someone who wouldn't be caught dead, you know, even associating with like Joe Biden <laughs> posting things about WrestleMania 38 and you're just like, hey, do you know, like, do you know about this company, you know? Um, but that is just how successful the WWE has been in terms of making people think that the WWE is wrestling. I mean, that's why it's the Ringer Wrestling Show and not, I don't know, like the Ringer WWE Saudi government blood hour, you know? Uh, or the Saudi government blood money hour, I mean. I'm sorry, you know, it's it's catchy. It just, it does take some time. Um, it doesn't roll out the tongue naturally, but once you get it, you know, it sticks in your head. The WWE Saudi government blood money hour. Um, you know, that would be a nice name for that show. Uh, but yes, you know, it's like if all the WWE is able to do over the next 
few years is continue to lean heavily on part-timers, on celebrities, on, you know, Vince McMahon having an unannounced match and, you know, just poaching whomever they can from AEW. At some point, people are going to look and see, oh, okay, this is Cody Rhodes. Well, yeah, he seemed more interesting in AEW. Like, oh, okay, it's MJF. Well, yeah, he's not nearly as, like, entertaining as he was in, in AEW, you know? Uh, I know the WWE audience is in a bubble, but the fact of the matter is they're not in that much of a bubble. And at some point, people will start to realize, I mean, this thing happened during the Monday Night Wars where it was obvious like, oh, okay, the WWF is the company that is actually making new stars, new interesting wrestlers that I want to see. Here's WCW, you know, where it's. Uh, you know, Randy Savage and Roddy Piper, you know, who at that point no one wanted to see, you know, that's what's crazy. Cause it's like, you know, how much I would love to see another match from people like that. But it's like, yeah, you know, back in 2000, uh, I had no interest in seeing like whatever WCW was doing at that time in like 98, 99, 2000, you know, it wasn't until later, uh, where I actually sat down and watched some WCW Thunder where I'm like, which by the way, you know, shout out to the Days of Thunder podcast again. Uh, it wasn't until I actually sat down and watched it and like saw Lance Storm. So like that's what's ironic is it's like the one thing that got me interested in WCW in its last dying days was that angle that they did where Lance Storm, uh, you know, had this whole he was basically like doing the Bret Hart in Canada thing but to uh just such a ridiculous extent and it's one of my I really do feel like it's one of the most underrated pushes uh that there is just because and obviously you know it's the dying days of WCW it didn't accomplish anything um but that was the perfect role for Lance Storm and that's one of those things where you can take a wrestler who under most circumstances would not end up being a star and I really do think that if Lance Storm was presented in that way in WWE you know during the invasion he would have gotten over in a really major way um but I digress I mean we don't need to rebook the invasion um I you know try to stay away from fantasy booking today's thing so I don't I don't know why I felt like revisiting that but um Again, there's a difference between something that makes money and that has TV ratings and something that is actually culturally relevant. And right now we've seen that the WWE is still very culturally relevant. Over time, though, if the WWE is unable to make new stars and they're just, you know, presenting stars from AEW in a less interesting way, that tide is going to turn. People are going to get it. People are going to realize, like, oh, well, if all these, like, if all the new wrestling stars are coming from AEW, I'm just going to watch AEW. And that process sometimes takes time, which is why it's important for folks to be patient and not hold, you know, AEW to this standard of, like, well, you know, your ratings didn't double in a year and you're still doing half of what the WWE does, so, you know, you're done, um, that's not how this stuff works. You know, these, these kind of like cultural shifts take some time. Um, but again, you know, I know at some point, like the WWE is going to be the Simpsons of wrestling. And by that, I mean, people will start to realize that there's more to pro wrestling than the WWE. And in fact, the WWE has not been relevant to wrestling, um, or is not told relevant stories in wrestling, I should say. Obviously, the WWE is relevant. But for people that love wrestling, they care less and less about the WWE because they're not telling 
rest stories that are relevant to wrestling fans. And that's something that's not going to change anytime soon. And, you know, I don't, I'm not confident about making many predictions on here. I try to stay away from that, but that is a prediction that I will make. And that is, uh, you know, in a few years, AEW, you know, particularly with this recent ring of honor purchase, which I think is huge. Um, the potential of that. And I'll speak on that just a bit later here. Um, there will be a time where, uh, you know, the WWE is no longer relevant in the way that we saw this weekend. In fact, you know, again, they're going to be the Simpsons of wrestling and people will know that if you want to watch wrestling, if you want to ask your, your wrestling friend about wrestling, you're going to ask them about AEW. And again, it might take time, but it will happen. Um, so yeah, I, uh, thanks. Thanks, uh, again for listening again. You're listening to the next pillar. And uh, I want to get to listener mail now, and I'm going to start things off uh, with we actually finally had someone request a specific song. So again, uh, nextpillarawcom nextpillarawcom at gmail.com. Just send us a note. And if you have an idea for a song that you'd like to hear on the show, we will try to make it happen. Um, and so this wasn't a request for a specific song. I'll explain later. But uh, yeah, just give this a listen.
the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net, arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. So, uh, just so you know, yeah, that was a, uh, a listener who wrote in, um, 
And I guess more than a request, it's actually a suggestion. Uh, they just sent a note saying, um, you guys should write something for the Bachamania videos. Uh, which I actually didn't know were still a thing, so that was fun. So go and watch that latest one. And, yeah, so that was kind of like a chip-tune song, like the kind, you know, that they use. Um, and my wife picked, you know, CM Punk's songs because she was kind of working on something else using that song anyway and uh the thing is though is like listening to it i'm like oh yeah cm punk's probably not gonna be on botchamania very often uh you know because you know usually his matches are good and his segments are good uh but i i yeah i mean i hope you guys appreciate that nonetheless and um yeah uh daniel who wrote in you know feel free uh to send that over uh to matthew um, and yeah, obviously I would be thrilled to have that, uh, used in a botchmania clip or in whatever else, you know, um, I had some folks a few weeks ago in the discord ask for an audio file of that Cody song without the, the talking over it. And, um, yeah, anytime you folks uh, need that, yeah, just ask for it in the discord. I'm always happy to send on a, an audio file and you folks are always, you know, free to do, uh, you know, whatever you'd like with that stuff. Um, yeah, you know, I, um, something I wanted to talk about here and I'm glad, uh, VJ wrote in just about this, uh, is just, uh, you know, the question of do Sammy and Ty Conti need to turn heel? And I think that it's a really good one. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to be honest, you guys, I am kind of out on an Island here in that I actually really enjoy watching Sammy and Ty Conti and uh, my wife does too and you know what you guys are probably thinking well yeah that adds up that says a lot about you but uh, yeah I just I don't understand but it is obvious and it's interesting isn't it where it's like you know America's top, American Top Team is such a has been such a captivating uh, force in AEW you know to where you know that inner circle ATT feud you know was very hot but it's like First, they had the Cody Brandy thing that was like a total mess and really confused the audience. And now you have this, which is the same thing because and how frustrating is that? Because what a great heel group. And yet it seems like everyone they now put against them is going to get booed out of the building, I guess, uh, for one reason or another. And I do understand, you know, it is a little obnoxious to see two extremely attractive people in love. Uh, for most people, but yeah, that is never something that's bothered me and I actually kind of like it, but yeah, obviously it's not working. They got to do something. Um, and, uh, yeah, I do think that, uh, Sammy is more naturally a heel. And I would say, you know, at this point, they're probably going to need to do that with Ty Conti as well. You know, after this angle, one thing I will say though, is just, uh, you know, I don't think that turning them heel for this angle is the move uh, just because, you know, I do feel and again, you know, I want to give Scorpio Sky time. But uh, I mean, that last promo he gave, uh, you know, on Rampage like that's not that's not really turning any heads now, is it? So I know at this point, if they're going to have a chance to get Scorpio over, it's going to need to be as a heel against someone who fans, you know, really want to see win. And I think, you know, the unfortunate fact of the situation now is that fans do not want to see Ty Conti and Sammy Guevara win. Um, 
or nearly as much as they should for someone going up against American top team. And so, yeah, it is time to adjust this storyline. And at this point, you know, it's like they've had two false starts with this, like, Paige Van Zandt debut angle. Uh, But, yeah, it's not working. They're going to have to do something. Uh, Next question uh, is just a screenshot. It's a good one. It's of uh, Jade Cardgill in the That Bitch glasses. And with one sentence, Blake, how can you not find this entertaining? And so, I'm going to debut a new segment here in the mailbag called Bad Take Confessional. And so, yeah, my take about Jade Cargill, that, uh, you know, it, it's not worth the bad wrestling. Uh, you know, her, her charisma, her talent um, is not worth you know, having the bad wrestling on a, you know, a regular basis. That was my take, basically. What I've realized now, you know, after, especially after that last promo, uh, is that Jade's shtick, you know, her aura, her, uh, her talent, you know, uh, her act is actually worth the bad wrestling now and again. And, uh, you know, I try to, whenever I can on this show, preach patience, like, you know, like, let's, Uh, Like with this Scorpio Sky thing, you know, I'm not ready to write it off yet. Uh, But yet I sometimes forget that myself. And, you know, particularly, you know, with Jade Cargill, um, it's worth having some patience. And I think they probably realized like, well, this probably isn't in her best interest for her to have all these 10 minute matches. And that's why you've seen, you know, she's barely wrestled at all. And they've managed to, you know, now that they've taken her out of the ring, she's a lot more vital, you know, and now it's like this Marina match, which by the way, I just want to shout out, uh, Jeff Hawkins on Twitter who made this joke where she tweeted, uh, what's Marina Twitter, uh, (laughs) you know, after, you know, her upcoming opponent, uh, and you know, his tweet is, uh, it's probably a lot of, uh, sailboats (laughs) and, and water, which is just, really funny because I imagine there is probably marina twitter somewhere where people discuss different marinas and just like what being in a marina is like and I imagine that yeah that is probably what marina twitter is like I wonder what the drama on there is like it's like oh you go to that marina well I would never be caught dead there um but anyway yes Jade Cardgill is worth it and you know what now here I am actually you know looking forward uh, to seeing this uh, match with her and Marina Shafir. And uh, I will try to be a little bit more patient in the future. But yeah, anytime you want to call me on a bad take, if I agree with you, we will open the bad take confessional. And also, it is really a sign of a true intellectual to be willing to admit a mistake. And uh, I'm not going to call myself a true intellectual, obviously, but I always try to admit my mistakes when I have them. And if you are listening to this and you feel like you need to go to the bad take confessional, or if you know someone who you think needs to go to the bad take confessional again, that's next pillar, at gmail.com or next pillar, We have a, we have a little response form that you can fill out. Um, so let's keep let's let's keep going here. I um something I wanted to talk about a little bit is uh, dynamite, of course. Uh, so yeah, uh, and some show housekeeping stuff. So we have moved the show to Monday. 
Uh, that's a change that was requested by, you know, a few people and, you know, suggested by, uh, you know, folks at VOW. And I thought it sounded like a good idea. So we're going to do that going forward. What it will mean, though, is that, you know, for Dynamite, uh, you know, that preview is is not going to be what it was being on a Wednesday. But of course, you know, I'm going to preview um, the significant things that we have, you know, coming up as AEW fans this week. Uh, starting off with Dynamite, and that's just that I talked on here a few weeks ago just about, you know, how excited I would be to see Samoa Joe back in AEW. And uh, to have Joe back, to have Joe get the reception that he got, and to have, you know, Samoa Joe fighting for the Ring of Honor world title against Minoru Suzuki, uh, I mean, that's about, I mean, that's so much more, you know, that I would ever ask for. And I love this new character of Joe's, uh, you know, it's, uh, he was at the, you know, and again, you want to get some, some, some straight facts or, you know, actually get a sense of things. Uh, I love that AEW always releases those media scrums. Um, and you know, Joe had something to say where, you know, it's like this run in AEW for me, you know, it's not about me giving back to the industry or being a trainer or a coach, you know, I'm here for me. And, I had a really kind of interesting idea, you know, someone asked me, you know, just like what I think about the Owen Hart tournament and what an interesting idea it would be because, you know, usually in the past, you know, of course, we're operating in a WWE paradigm still, you know, the King of the Ring traditionally was used for them to signal like, hey, this is the next guy that we're pushing. How interesting would it be if there was a wrestling tournament? that almost existed as like a lifetime achievement award of sorts. And you have a Samoa Joe come in and win this wrestling tournament as a way of saying like, Hey, Samoa Joe, like, thanks for everything you've done for the business, you know? Um, and again, you know, that's not me fantasy booking. That's not me saying they should do that. That's more of me just being like, that would be a really interesting idea, wouldn't it? And, uh, I am just like really excited that a Samoa Joe is in the Owen, you know? Um, because again, a tournament like this often lends itself to be like a, you know, money in the bank ladder match situation, which is like, like, here's something to do. And, you know, here's a way for us to, you know, establish like, hey, here's a guy to watch for. But yeah, you know, much more like, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of you are, you know, thinking about the G1 or what have you. Um, there's a lot of different things that you can do at the tournament. And I don't know, that just struck me as an interesting idea because after all, you know, one of the first men announced for this tournament was Samoa Joe. Uh, and so it makes me wonder, you know, just if like maybe that is in the cards. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I am just so ecstatic as a wrestling fan uh, to see Samoa Joe again. His theme song is amazing. It is a great song to eat hot dogs to. Uh, it's just a tremendous song. <laughs> Let's, I had that experience last week. I was listening to that on repeat, eating a couple hot dogs. Uh, it's an amazing. I just, and you have the chanting in the back, like, Blake's gonna eat you, you know? It's just, anyway. Um,
thank you to Ida for sending this one in. Uh, Blake, if you are an AW wrestler, what would your theme song be and why? Uh, so I can't be blamed for this, you guys, uh, but please enjoy. So yeah, the the song is uh, of course Mario Adventure Two from the Super Mario Land soundtrack. Uh, that's this is of course the arranged version, and uh, if you're a fan of game music, you really should listen to this album. Um, as for why, I mean, listen to it. That would be an incredible entrance theme, especially like if I came out. Uh, like the entrance would be like the Joker coming out with the with the parade float in Tim Burton's Batman only instead of money, I would like throw out printed out infographics from Russell Nomics. 
So, like, instead of money, someone will just be like, oh, the WWE got more money from Saudi Arabia than AW gets off their TNT deal? That's crazy. Uh, so, yeah, that's the pandemonium that I would create uh, as the Joker to that song. And uh, part of the reason why this song has really struck me is that, you know, working in the record store, uh, this was a popular bootleg vinyl, and I uh, always wanted to listen to it but never did, and I finally did uh, maybe a week ago. And uh, so, yeah, when I saw this in the mailbox, I was like, this is this is the song. This is the entrance music. Um, and, yeah, you know, obviously, all the video game signs in the AEW crowd, it's only... It's only a matter of time for someone just straight up uses a video game song as their entrance. We know that's going to happen. And uh, yeah, also interesting. I actually am just realizing that the CM Punk thing was on this same show. So yeah, a bit of a video game theme. Hope that's okay with everyone. Uh, I have a feeling if you're listening to a wrestling podcast, uh, maybe you're no stranger to video game soundtracks. I'm just going to maybe hazard a guess. I don't know. Um yeah, no stranger to video games, video game soundtracks, probably. Uh, you know, some of you may be like, oh, Blake, you've never heard the arranged version of Super Mario Land? Like, I've got that on the turntable as we speak. Uh, but anyway, that would be my wrestling theme song, and thank you for sending that in. Uh, had one more uh, message, which is just... Um, uh, who is an AEW wrestler? This is a common one. Uh, who is an AEW wrestler that you feel uh, should be pushed for? Uh, and this, yeah, I mean, you know, this is one I get. I, I've had this exact question before, more or less. And it also, it always is a good question to just kind of like keep track of their talent and, uh, you know, who you do think is worthy of a little bit more on camera attention. Um, Yeah, you know, and... You know, up until recently, you know, I, I you know, might have said someone like Wheeler Yuta. Uh, but part of what I've really enjoyed about AEW programming, and I talked about this uh, over the past couple of weeks, and I talked about this a little bit at the top of the show, uh, is just that they actually have a, a lot of uh, really hot, really interesting mid-card feuds going. I mentioned the Eddie Kingston at all versus Jericho at all feud. Uh, but I would also th- throw, you know, this Swerve Strickland Keith Lee versus, you know, Team Taz feud in here as well, you know? And how much more effective is Keith Lee when he's shoving someone through a wall than when he's talking like Fraser Crane? I mean, let's get real, you know? That's how they're going to get Keith Lee over in AEW, you know? Uh, It's certainly not going to be him doing backstage promos, which, and I know, I'm the AEW mark, that's how I'm known, but honestly, uh, the backstage segments... Uh, seem more rudderless than ever. And a lot of that comes down to direction. It really does seem like a lot of wrestlers are getting pretty minimal direction before they're just put on camera before a national TV audience. Um, and if that's not the case, it certainly seems like it, which, you know, maybe there's something going on with your direction if that's the case. Uh, because, yeah, you know, how did they make Wheeler Yuta a star? It certainly wasn't in a backstage promo or a vignette. It was in the ring, and it was Brian Danielson doing the work, you know? It was John Moxley doing the work. Uh, it was even William Regal doing the work more than, you know, any backstage segment or vignette. And I think, you know, you want to talk about long-term problems for AEW. 
I think there's a lot of things in the ring that you can do, a lot of creative things you can do in the ring. And by creative, I mean, you know, things to advance storylines and characters. There's a lot of that that happens in the ring. Of course, it's pro wrestling. Uh, By the same token, though, uh, you should be able to have some successful, uh, you know, promos and vignettes. And my hope is that uh, I was really struck just by how seamless uh, this Ring of Honor integration has been into the product. And my hope is, you know, the past couple Dynamites to me have felt very rushed and hectic, like very much like, uh, you know, kid trying to get his paper in at the last minute kind of situation. And I'm my hope is just that whatever ends up happening with Ring of Honor, because you know, it at least seems to me that they are going to try to get a legit TV deal for it and have it be, uh, you know, what does Tony Khan love more than doing what the WWE couldn't do? Being like, oh, you couldn't get this person over? Well, watch me. And, uh, you know, that's obviously something that Tony Khan gets another uh, gets a lot of enjoyment out of. And I thought it was really interesting, you know, uh, Tony Khan, when talking about Ring of Honor at this press conference, he went back and he referenced that, you know, infamous night in Tacoma where, you know, WCW was officiated, uh, was announced rather, um, commentated. Gosh, that's took me three tries to get the right word uh, by, you know, people who weren't very familiar with the WCW product and hadn't had a lot of experience announcing. And so, you know, Tony Khan's point is like, well, yeah, I'm probably going to keep like people who are experienced commentating in Ring of Honor because I want to keep that continuity. Like, that's why he kept the broadcast team for that pay-per-view. And I just thought it was really interesting, you know, that he would reference something like that WCW match in Tacoma, the Buff Bagwell Booker T match that really sunk uh, that WCW uh, brand uh, idea, you know. And I think that Tony probably made that reference very consciously because he's probably thinking this is my chance to show that a successful wrestling company can buy another one and maintain two separate entities with two separate identities and do an awesome job. And I think Tony Khan has probably taken up that challenge. And uh, you know what? We've talked about this where, you know, sometimes Tony Khan is a little bit like the friend that invites you for dinner gives you a five-star main course and a container of Reese's macaroni salad. You know what I mean? As the side, you know, sometimes Tony Khan, his attention seems to be pretty lopsided, you know, particularly when you look at stuff like the women's division and the tag division and how people are booked in there. Uh, His attention seems a little bit uneven in times. But the one thing I can say is that when when Tony Khan cares, uh, Tony Khan will get the job done. And so... You know, if his launching of Ring of Honor is, you know, his plan of saying like, hey, here's what a successful brand extension looks like, uh, then I'm all here for it. And it's something that my hope is that it will make AEW programming seem a little bit less crowded. And speaking of uh, things seeming a little less crowded, something I also wanted to mention uh, that I have been really struck by is just how vital Team Taz feels as a unit especially compared to uh some of the other stables in AEW, where it's like uh you know i had a friend of mine ask me you know like what's the whole point of the dark order at this point and i kind of struggled to formulate a response to be frank you know uh or best friends you know where it's like 
oh, I can't believe Wheeler Yuta is leaving best friends. Like, it's like no one cares, you know, honestly, you know. And I think that's a great disservice, you know, to the people who are in that stable because obviously the personnel of those stables, they're all very talented. It's just like, again, though, it's like you look at Team Taz, uh, who it's like every segment that Team Taz is involved in nowadays feels vital. I don't get that same feeling from the Dark Order or best friends. And I feel like I'm not alone out there, you know? And I think, again, you know, I no one wants to see watered down AEW, you know, with writers and 25-minute promos and that are scripted and things like that. At the same time, though, I don't, I, you know, I do wonder sometimes if, a little bit more creative uh, direction or a little bit more, you know, direction in, you know, in terms of the production with the promos and the vignettes and whatnot uh, might be good for AEW, you know, especially as, you know, it does seem like uh, Ring of Honor is going to be an actual separate company and an actual ongoing thing. Uh, I think maybe now more than ever, Tony, don't be afraid, you know, to ask, uh, for help, you know, I just, it does seem though at times, you know, it's like, uh, we've had the shows where, you know, every encounter happens backstage. Like you have three people, you know, attacked backstage in the same show. Uh, there was the show where there was like, everything happened on the entrance ramp. You guys remember this, right? And it's like last week, it's like, yeah, everyone seemed to, uh, get attacked backstage again. And it's like, uh, I mean, the obvious thing, you know, is having a whiteboard of ideas that you look at and say, well, we did this then. Maybe we should do something else. Uh, but beyond that, I think it does just show that. Uh, and Tony Khan, you know, if you listen to him at these press conferences, uh, he's quick to mention just how successful he thinks the AEW creative has been. And let's be honest, it has been like the AEW uh, creative for the most part, and in terms of the top of the card, has been great. I think where things run into issue is, again, and I use this phrase many times, the consistent storytelling on a weekly basis. Those are sometimes the things that just aren't there, especially uh, I think these stables are a great example, or I think you know a lot of people in the mid-card and the, low, the lower mid-card are a great example. Uh, the tag division, where it's like uh, this Red Dragon... Uh, Jurassic Express match should feel like a much bigger match than it is. And that's just because uh, the tag division, you know, other than the great recent success of FTR uh, and Jurassic Express and the Young Bucks, it does feel like there's not that much, again, consistent week to week storytelling uh, for many of the other teams in the division. And again, you know, why did FDR get over? It's because they've been doing that with FDR. They've been consistent with FDR over the uh, over the past you know few weeks, um, and I think that this FDR face turn has been very interesting because it seemed to start with them, you know, doing these interviews with Renee Paquette and showing some vulnerability. I just think that's an interesting uh, kind of new wrinkle to wrestling that I don't remember, uh, you know, uh, before. You know, I was a lapsed fan for a couple years. Uh, you know, I don't remember this as much. You know, being able to. Uh, you know, have, you know, a wrestler do an interview, you know, on a podcast, show some vulnerability, talk about, you know, body issues, talk about, 
times they've felt bullied uh, and connect with the fan base, you know, in that way that is not in the ring or backstage in a promo. Um, it's just an interesting wrinkle for me. And I thought uh, it was interesting to see. I would be curious to see which was planned first, like them doing those interviews or the face turn. I would just be um it would be interested if it was kind of Tony being like, well, now that you guys did these interviews, we should just turn your face because people seem to be supporting you guys. Or if it was a thing where it was like, hey, so we're going to turn face and I've been wanting to talk about these kind of things publicly. Is that cool? I don't know. I would just be I don't know if there's any reportage on that out there, but I would love to see it if there is. Um, so, yeah, someone else that I wanted to talk about um, was Ricky Starks. That's right. I thought about getting rid of these, these Words of Wisdoms uh, segments, but I did have a couple of you write in and suggest uh, that I should keep them going. One person even said, it's the only podcast that does any, that I listen to that does anything in kayfabe. So I, I don't want to disappoint that person. Uh, so yeah, Ricky Starks, you know, uh, I was thinking about, um, you know, I was thinking about uh, a story from my younger days. Uh, and, uh, you know, a big thing that I learned uh, when I was when I was in high school is just uh, you know it's one thing to be the cool guy uh, Ricky Starks but sometimes being the cool guy you can be a little too cool and I think that you might be uh, you might be a- at risk of that Ricky because uh, you know sometimes a star can burn uh, so bright uh, that it outshines all the other uh, stars and it leads you to thinking you know why is this star being so bright what's the deal here like maybe this star is, you know, frankly, a little bit of a narcissist. You know, you always got to be concerned about public perception, Ricky, you know, and I just, you know, from, from, you know, where I sit, uh, killing it each and every segment, you know, to the point where, uh, you know, I sometimes forget, you know, who else is even on screen when I'm watching Ricky Starks, uh, frankly, and, uh, yeah, Ricky, you know, I just think, uh, you know, there's being cool, but, but maybe you're being a little too cool, you like uh, when you're carrying dry ice you gotta put it in the styrofoam you know what I'm saying um so yeah Ricky uh my words of wisdom for you are just like uh you know keep being cool but like yeah just you know uh just you know give other people a chance to be cool that's all I'm saying I'll see you guys next week <laughs>